Let's, uh, if you would, stand with me one more time. Some of the old bones are like... <laughs> Father, we, we just want to thank you, Lord, for the life you've given each of us. And Lord, you, you came not just to give us a little bit of life, but you came to bring us an abundance of life. Lord, today, just as I try to honor this message, your word, Lord, I pray you would anoint it, that you would touch this man's lips with that hot coal. Lord, that those that are here today, those that are listening online, that they would hear it for what it is, Lord, and it would minister to them, and it would equip them that you'd build up the saints today in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you, and just help us to be the light that you've called us to be. Each of us has life. We need to take that life out to the world that is dying. And Lord, may we remember that as we go through this morning. We love you, and we commit this service into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Now you can sit down if you'd like to. Hear those bones cracking again? I think it's Paul. I heard you groaning. God is life. Maybe. Maybe he is. All right, just click on that first slide for me and see if my clicker works. Yep. There we go. I got it. Step away from the mouse. God gives life. God gives new life in some circumstances. Amen. So today I want to talk about growth. Can you believe that? Spring is here, at least on the calendar. I always question it living in Gaylord. And what happens in the spring is nothing short of a, it's, it's magic, if you will, right? Underneath that crust of snow and ice, those little plants are struggling to burst out of the place they've been all winter, that dark place they've been all winter, right? And then they look like something like this. And what amazes me is that came out of something like this. But what do you have to do with this to get that? Yes, it, this has to die. You plant it in the ground, it dies, sort of. And out of this comes that beautiful thing. Somebody's going to get blessed before we leave here today. But I'm going to leave them there for right now just because it's kind of an object lesson. When we look at something like this, we know who's pulling all the strings, don't we? God. Not just God, but God the Creator. He is giving life to all His creation once again. Every springtime we get to go through this. The ice melts off the roof, and then pretty soon, well, usually there are tulips that pop up first, and you're just going, wow, that's been there all winter long. He brings life in the forms of greens and reds and yellows and blues and my favorite, purple. 
Did you ever think that springtime is just an annual reminder of the fact that God gives life? Say it with me. God is in the business of life. You didn't sound very convinced. How about one more time? God is in the business of life. How many are alive today? Well, you sure can't tell by the way some of you responding, all right? Yeah, I know, you guys, you're probably going to get the plants because, okay, here's the thing. I'm not picking on anybody necessarily. But when you're sitting in here and you're worshiping the Lord and all of a sudden you hear that, are you, are you Cherokee or do you have Indian in you? Yeah, a little, just a little bit. Because it sounds like a war cry. And I love, Don, I love it. I love it. Don't, I'm not picking on you. I'm saying, I'm encouraging you. Your soul is, is saying, I can't hold it in. And shouldn't we all be like that? We're born again. God's given us eternal life. Hallelujah. Now all the rest of you are going, oh, she's getting the plan. Come on. I want to start today with a book of Genesis. And I'm going to go really quick, but I've got some things I want to point out today that has to do with the God's business. In the book of Genesis, a quick observation reveals that God loves to make things, right? I mean, if you start chapter 1, God likes to make things. Now, my grandkids came over to celebrate Pastor Barb's birthday. Uh, what day was that? Wednesday night. And they're about seven years old. And the first thing they did when they got there was they, they went in and they grabbed all the Lincoln Logs out, all the connected things, and they started building things. Why do you think that is? I'm going to get to it in a minute, because they were created in God's image, and God is a creator. He likes to build things. Are you still with me? One could say God has the Midas touch. Now that word actually symbolizes money, but it also means prosperity, and God is in the business of prospering things whatever he touches and i think you'll agree with me it grows it grows in the beginning the lord begins by showing off his abilities in verse one where he created something out of nothing this word i'm going to put it up behind me is ex nihilo say that one three times fast and it means out of nothing. And this is, this is a Latin word out of the Latin Vulgate. Not vulgar, but Vulgate. Written by Jerome, St. Jerome, to some, around 382. He wrote the New Testament back then, and this is one of the words that we like to repeat. Ex nihilo, out of nothing. Now whenever a man looks up, oops, did I skip a page? Nope, I did not. I wonder if I dropped something. Whenever a man looks up, he sees the numerous stars and the solar systems. And if you have magnification, 
what you see is nothing short of magnificent. We don't have words to describe the invisible realm that's out there that God put in the sky waiting for the day when we'd be able to see it. That's today. Our telescopes reach out. And just last week I came in and I forgot to bring my binoculars. Right off into the east you could see Mars and even Saturn. And it was so bright when I got here. This was about 8 o'clock, 7.30. When it was so bright, I went, what is that? And then it dawned on me, that's Saturn. But you couldn't see the rings unless you had a binocular. So, bad. I missed it. All of this is a quick reminder of God's creative ability and His awe-inspiring glory. After He created the solar system and, of course, the planet, he made this bl big blue marble habitable. Habitable. <laughs> big blue marble. Complete with plants and animals and birds and fish and all the other things that he added to it. Then the Lord created his masterpiece. And this is the other Latin word I'm going to go to today. Imago Dei. Everybody say it. In the image of Say the other part. In the image of God. You, June, you were created in the image of God. All you ladies in this section over here, and there's a bunch of you today, you were all created in the image of God. What does that mean? That means people are special. We hold a special place. No other critter was in the image of God. Only human beings right does anybody remember from the new testament who said that we were a masterpiece anybody okay i'm gonna i'm gonna give it up it was paul read this with me salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it for we are god's what masterpiece he has created us anew and that's my my underline there in christ jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago so god created us a masterpiece in christ you need to connect that you're only a masterpiece when you have finished the product and that is, you have come to Christ and given Him rule over your life. And I'm going to prove that in just a minute. Back to Genesis. God then tells the man and the woman, who's that? Oh, good, you knew that one. God then tells the man and the woman to multiply, subdue, or take care of the earth and all of its creatures. And I'm going to read this. I'll put it up behind me. And by the way, I'm reading from the NASU, New American Standard Updated Version, only because it was in my last paper. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, what? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, 
and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I love the King James. It says it creepeth along the earth. Creepy. What did God tell Adam and Eve to do? To be fruitful. To multiply. To fill the earth. Those three things. Take care of the planet also. Subdue means to literally take care of the planet. By the way, ecology wasn't started in the 20th century. It was started in the book of Genesis. Chapter 1. God told us to take care of this beautiful blue marble that we're all on. This passage illustrates that multiplication or new growth is a large part of God's nature. Whatever he creates, he blesses. And it grows. And it not only does it grow, but it multiplies. You know, when you think of a fruit tree, instead of one apple popping out on that thing, you have multiple apples, usually. God is in the business of multiplication. Some of you ladies have had twins, and some have had triplets. I don't know what the, what's the, the highest number, octaga, octa, octagen, uh, not oxygen, oc, octa, I don't, and eight maybe, I don't know, that's a lot, I know one lady had at least that many. I mean, how would that even be possible? Whoop, there's another one, whoops, wait, hold it, there's another, whoop, there's another one. Can you, you all you ladies are going, oh, no, no. We had four, and they weren't all at once. I cannot imagine. The doctor would just be going, more nurses, quick. Sorry. Got a little carried away there. God likes things to multiply. Not only do we see that in Genesis chapter 1, but we also see it in Genesis chapter 9. This is another example of being fruitful, where the Lord had just cleansed the earth. He, he was fed up with sinful man. He had enough. He said, Noah, you and your family want you to build a boat. If you've ever been around, is it Toledo? Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Ohio. Just go a little further into Kentucky, and Ken Ham has built a replica. And that thing, I mean, when you see that, from a mile away, you're just going, wow, that is cool. Was it possible? Did that event happen? I believe it did. I believe it did in its entirety. God had washed the planet clean, and life began all over again. And I know some of you probably believe in evolution. I'm sorry. I just can't buy into that. But we all have our own opinions, right? So we'll go there. Uh, in this verse, what does the Lord say? And I'll put, again, I'll put it up behind me. Oh, by the way, does anybody know the mountain that the boat landed on? All right. Did, it, did you already put it up? You didn't go beyond me, did you? All right. So here it is. 
Mount Ararat. That's right, Genesis 8-4. But looking at Genesis 9-1, God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, say it, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Okay, there's a little problem today. Okay, there's a lot of problems. Whoever said that? Is that Claudia again? Anyway. The Lord said, fill the earth. And as hard as we keep trying, we got people telling us, you need to stop populating the earth. Well, guess what? When we fill the earth, what's God going to do? We're going up. That's one of the things that's going to culminate in the end. We're filling the earth. Hallelujah. And, and look at this. Is this where I have it? Yeah, this is where I have it. There's almost, and it, maybe we've hit that number. I'm surprised somebody didn't say, we just, you're the eighth billionth person born. Here's a, here's a reward or something, a prize. I don't know how you'd figure that out. Is that number mind-boggling? I think we've probably hit it by now. This is 2020 when we were just shy of 8 billion. That's a lot of zeros. We're getting there. We're doing what the Lord said to do, to fill the earth. Say it with me again. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Finally, let us consider the miracle of Abram and Sarah. Remember that couple? The old couple. Even older than me. Finally, somebody's older. An old couple who was incapable of having children on their own. <laughs> but God. Listen, you need to remember this part right here. If you don't remember anything else today, remember this. That's right. That's what I'm saying. They got the babies preaching it, praising the Lord over this. But God, no matter what you're going through, there's always a way out. But God. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, a plan to prosper you and not to bring harm to you. A plan for you to have a glorious and bright future. That's his promise. Hallelujah. But God, your circumstances might be saying no. But God, listen to this. First, the Lord showed Abram his plans. And he used the stars. Imagine that. We already talked about that. But Genesis 15, 5, and 6. He took him outside and said, Now, look toward the heavens and count the stars. Look at that next part. If you are able. Now, this is without magnification, and of course, the atmosphere wasn't as corrupt as it is today, so you can probably see a little bit clearer. However, it still, it still wasn't what you could see with magnification. And the Lord's saying, if you can count them at all, because there are way too many. And he said to him, so shall your, your, say it with me, so shall your descendants be. Now point to your neighbor and say, that's you and me. 
We're his descendants. How cool is that? Then he believed in the Lord. <laughs> he didn't believe before. And he reckoned to him as righteousness. Now this is, this is an old man as I'm going to get to you. But what I want you to see is the Lord declared your descendants will be as numerous in the sky. And even without magnification, as I've made clear, that would be impossible to count. God was telling Abram that his plan for his kingdom, the kingdom of God, was going to grow through this old man who most would have said, ha, there's no way. They'd say that about me today, and I'm not as old as he was. And then his wife, who remembers her name? Sarah. It was actually Sarai. Sarai. I don't know how you say that right. She was only 90. Hmm. Amazing. All of it impossible. But God. God is in the miracle business of multiplication. I believe these two words, miracle and multiplication, are synonymous in God's language. Wherever you see a miracle, you'll see multiplication. Whether of limbs, whether of spiritual things like other people coming to the Lord as a result, God is in the business Miracle business of multiplication. Wherever one sees this, they also see, wherever one sees miracles, they also see multiplication. Abram's saga continues in 17.1. Putting that up behind me. Now when Abram was 90, oh, 99 years old. Now we've had some centurions of late. I think some guy just lived to be like 116. I was like, Wow, that is just, that's crazy. Nothing like the Old Testament, because back then they lived to eight, nine hundred years, some of them. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram, and he said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you and I will multiply you exceedingly. Wow. That means a lot, right? So he was going to see exceeding multiplication of blessings in his life. So here we see the Lord planting the idea in Abram's heart that multiplication was coming. Though all the odds were against him, would you agree? 99 years old, I'd say so. Even finding a woman at 99 would probably be, well, maybe not today. Never mind. I don't even know why I went there. God would ensure that what he said would happen would come to pass, just like he told Adam and Eve, just like he told Noah and his family. Second Corinthians. I want to bring this up real quick before I move on. Do you have a need today? Here's what I want to say to you real quick. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes and amen in Christ. And so, through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. 
Amen, meaning we agree. If you have a problem, if, you, if you're going through something, listen, maybe it's close to where Abram and Sarah are. It's impossible. It would be impossible for anybody 99 years old to have a child. Normally, naturally. And for Sarah to give birth to it, Sarai to give birth to this baby, impossible. Your situation isn't any more drastic than theirs was. And what Paul was saying was that no matter how bad it is, God's promise is always true. Yes and amen. And I'm going to point that out here in just a minute, but somebody here needs to hear this. Why do you need to know the words of Scripture? Because they are God's promises. And if you grab onto them, if God said it, you can believe it, and you can apply that to your life. So no matter what you're facing, you need to grab onto the Scriptures, if you haven't already, and start learning to, to memorize them. Like this one's a good one. Hallelujah. The news of how God would give Abram and Sarah a son was overwhelming to the old man. In verses 3 to 5, Abram fell on his face when he heard it. (laughs) Who wouldn't? And God talked with him. God still talks to you today through the Holy Spirit. Oh, I hope you hear his voice. As for me, (laughs) behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be changed to Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. There's so much going on here. First, the Lord showed Abram that his lineage would be numbered with the stars. He's giving him a a visual picture of what's to come. Second, the Lord gave Abram, and by the way, Sarai, a new name. And of course, we know what it is. Abraham for Abram and Sarah for Sarai, which in a literal sense, Sarah means, and I just shared this with my daughter-in-law this morning. I said, You're the mother of many nations. She's like, oh, great. (laughs) Anyhow, where was I? Sorry. Got off track again. The Lord's multiplication factor now includes nations and kings. And in this next verse, we see this wonderful word again, fruitful. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you. That's us! Woo-hoo. And throughout your, their generations for an everlasting... What does everlasting mean? Forever! There's no end to it. This didn't end when Abraham died, when his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren died. It kept going. And you are to be God, or excuse me, an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. So, all of this happened. 
He had a baby. They had a baby. He didn't have it. Who had it? Sarah had it. Thank you. Man. Okay, I just finished my papers Friday. <laughs> my brain is toast. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Lord, for your covering. Maybe we should stop and pray again. Thanks for that encouragement over there. Go on. What I do want you to notice is that here, God did something a little different with the fruitful and multiply. In the first two situations, Adam and Eve and Noah and his family, he told them to go and multiply. Notice the difference. Here, God said, you will be fruitful and multiply. Meaning that he took all the pressure off Abraham, which in 99, he probably didn't need any more pressure. And he puts it all on himself. It was his responsibility. He, God was taking responsibility to make sure that through Abraham and Sarah, their lineage would lead to something magnificent. And what is that? Who's that king that we keep talking about? Yeah. Say it aloud. Jesus. All right. King Jesus. Amen? Can you imagine what it's going to be like when he comes back? Woo! Hey, we're going to put Don to shame then. We won't have any problem escalating our, our voices then. She just learned to do it a little early. King Jesus. Hmm. We are blessed beyond measure because of him. Abraham, through his lineage, David, King David was born. And through the lineage of David, Christ was born. The Bible, and, and I'm going to use a word here that was in my paper, but the Bible is Christocentric, meaning it all leads to Christ. From the beginning, if you go back and read that, it uses the word us. We did this. Us. Well, God is one God. Where'd that come from? Because it's Jesus, and it's the Holy Spirit. It's the triune God that we all believe in. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All the way through the Bible, it's full of examples of all three in one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus brought the plan of salvation. Now, I began today's message talking about springtime and how the things that were dead seemingly come to life. And there is a similarity, as I've pointed out, between the natural and the spiritual realm. Can you say amen? amen. Consider for a moment how the kingdom of God is similar to springtime in that what was once dead is now coming alive. In the spirit, individuals who are dead in their trespasses, what, are, what does that mean? Sin. sin. Come alive through the blood of Jesus. We were once dead to our sins because of our sins. Now we are alive because of the blood of the Lamb. 
because we have been cleansed of our unrighteousness. And now the transformational work of the Holy Spirit takes over. And He takes us from born again all the way to heaven's gate. We're not in this alone, folks. We're partners with the God that grows things, the God that multiplies things. God wants to use His church, His people, to grow. He said, fill the earth. Have we done that yet? Well, we're getting close. I don't know what the magic number is. God does. But He wants His church to know, look, when you say yes to Jesus, when you become, what do we call it? Born again. Whoo! There's that word. What's that mean? Life. Born again. What, am I supposed to go back into my mother's womb? No! It's a metaphor. Just saying that that dead sinful old man ain't no more. You may still be old, but the sinful man's gone. That's the beauty of being born again. You can do it when you're 80. And God still loves you. And God still accepts you as his kid. I can be a kid at 80? Oh, absolutely. Because God is infinite. You aren't as old as he is. You got a long way to go and you'll never reach his age. You're born again. You're brand new. I want to talk about that real quick. I'm getting close to the end too, by the way. How close? I'm not going to tell you. How many of you have experienced new life through being born again? All right. Most of your hands, good. Amen. Many of you raised your hand. But if you're not, hang on until the end. I'm going to give you a chance before I conclude today to receive God's life-changing love and grace. I want to look at a familiar passage, and I went back one, but one verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. This is in the New Living Translation. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. So this is important. Before you became born again, if you are, you looked at everything with human eyes, with worldly eyes, if I can put it that way. But once you've been born again and the Spirit of God is in you, now you look at everything differently. You look at it as God sees it. There's a difference. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know Him now. Can you say amen? amen. This means, because we see things different, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has what? Become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. God is in the business of life. Now, I want to point this out again. that this, There's this precondition of new life. It isn't universal. All right? It doesn't happen for every human being on the planet. Sorry to say. I wish it did. But then God wouldn't need us. This precondition 
is simply that we put our faith and trust in God's one and only Son. If you want the old life to be gone and the new life to come, you must put your trust in Jesus. This word new means that it was not there before. It means that it just appeared. It means it's new in nature, and I think that's the the big one. You aren't the same sinful nature that you were before. And that doesn't mean you can't still sin, because you can. You can still go back like a dog goes back to his vomit. But don't be that person. When you've put your faith and trust in Jesus and His blood has washed you clean, keep going, my brother, my sister. Don't look back. Don't go back to that old life. Because that's death. And God wants you to have life. And life in abundance. The pillar commentary said of this, and he actually quotes this from Abraham. He said, just as God was to Abraham. We just read that. The one who makes alive the dead, right? We saw that. And calls into existence that which is not, so he must be to all Christians as well. It simply means that unless you've said yes to Jesus, you're still the old man. You're not the new creation yet. But what does it take to become new? Put your faith and trust in him. I'm going to give you that opportunity in just a minute. Romans 4.17, I'm almost done. That's what the Scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the... Woohoo! I mean, he's quoting Old Testament Scripture here. Paul is. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life. And can we trust the Lord? Who creates new things out of nothing. Can you say that with me? Who creates new things out of nothing. He takes these old sinful skin bags and he gives them new life. How does he do that? I don't know. I'm not God. I'm just a pastor. You can ask him. But this much I know, it works. Because God said it does. And all of his promises are yes and amen in Jesus. (laughs) So if he said, if you believe all those who confess their sins and put their trust in Jesus will be saved. I believe it. A lot of theologians out there today, oh, nothing really happens there. Oh, that's not God said it. Is it in that magical moment when you confess your sin? I don't know when it happens. I think it's when your heart starts to beat for God is when it happens. I think it's when you start to look at your life and you you recognize, who is that? Lord, help me out of this. I need newness of life. That's when it happens. It's when you say, I can't do this anymore. I have to have Him. 
in me. That's when it happens. God is in the business of new life. Last passage of scripture before I read the last two. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. (laughs) What's he doing there? Hallelujah. Verse 2, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share it in all his glory. The miracle of new birth. And wherever there's that new birth, there is growth. There is multiplication. And it, it, it's growth individually. I've watched so many of you grow after you said yes to Jesus. And then I've watched as many of you have taken what God put in you and you've been sharing that with others. That's the multiplication. And others come to know Christ as a result. That's what the church is supposed to do. Because God is in the miracle growth business. And whatever he touches multiplies. Hallelujah. Can you get excited with me? Would you stand? God has given us the ability to go from death to life. That sinful man, as 2 Corinthians 5, 17 said, that sinful man is no longer, the new man has come. The new version of you. And the thing that's changed is that you now have Jesus Christ living in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. You are God's house. It's scary, I know. Because you, you, even if you just think about what you did last week, some of you are going, oh, you saw that. Duh. She's everything. But knowing that he lives in us, we should be so eager to remain sanctified. If you go beyond this and, and you go through the next several verses, it talks about don't go back to these sinful Things that you once knew. And I'm not going to go through the list. You can go look at them. But Paul was just saying, look, church, you've been born again. God's given you new life. You've got so much to rejoice in. Don't go back. Don't go home today and turn on the television and go back to those R or even X-rated movies. Don't go back to that lifestyle of anger and hatred 
and all of the other things that man is so capable of delivering. The power of life and death is in our tongue, James said. Don't be that person. Be somebody like the Galatians 5, 22 and 23 person. The one that, that bears the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness. And I always miss them. You know what they are? That's what you should be giving to people. Not any of the other junk that used to be in our trunk. If you want Jesus, you need to say, Jesus, I want you. Do you want springtime to come in your life? If you're online today, you're watching this today, do you want springtime to come to your spirit life today? Two last scriptures. Jesus said this to Nicodemus, truly, truly I say to you, my emphasis, unless one is born again, say that with me, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. A lot of people get hung up on this. Well, how can God be so exclusionary? It's... He did everything he could. Now it's up to us. You really want eternal life? You, you really want to be with God forever? Or do you want to live like you're going to hell? It's really your call. But if you want life and life in abundance, if you want to see God move in your life, and you want to look like these flowers right here, I don't mean literally, but you want to blossom. I've blossomed. If, if you, you can ask Pastor Barb, if, if you'd known me at the age of 23 or under, whoo! Some of you haven't heard my story. I'm not going there today, but just to say I was honorary. Sinful. I, there were other names I'd call myself, but I can't say it here. And then, Jesus. But God. <laughs> he, he gave me life, and He gave it in abundance. And, and here's the best part. And this part always shakes me up. Because He gave me life, it brought life to my family. And my wife followed, and she's fell in love with Jesus, and my boys all were raised in the Lord, and they fell in love with Jesus. God is in the business of growth. It isn't just about you, but it starts with you. Imagine what your family could be like if you just said yes to Jesus and you started to bloom. What could God do with you? My last scripture, it really is. Would you read this with me? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish 
but have eternal life. Give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus did. We're going to get into that more next week because next Sunday's what? Palm Sunday, the week before Good Friday, which was good for us, not so much for Jesus, other than it was over, so I could kind of relate a little bit. Never mind. And then that following Sunday is Easter. Resurrection Sunday. But today, heads bowed, I just want to ask, if you're here today, you say, Pastor Norm, I want that new life. I want to blossom like God intended me to. I want to grab hold of that 2 Corinthians 5.17. I want the old man to be dead. And that new life that Jesus talked about with Nicodemus, I want that new life. If that's you, lift your hand up so I can see it clearly. Hallelujah. Hands up all over the place. Thank you. Hallelujah. Yes, you can put them down. Hallelujah. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to say this prayer with me. Is it the prayer that makes the difference? No, I just went through that. Don't make me say it again. It's what you do with it in your heart. If it means something to you, if it's in your heart and you're saying this from your heart to God today, then you, my friend, you, my sisters, my brothers, are going to be born again. And your names are going to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You ready? All right, I want the whole church to pray this with me because we're family here. Heavenly Father, thank you for being in the life business. Thank you for seeing my sin and not turning your back on me. But instead... Sending a remedy, the remedy, Jesus, King Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me enough, or loving the Father enough, who loved me enough to forgive me of my sin through your blood that was shed on Calvary's. Today, I confess my sins, little ones and big ones, and even medium-sized ones, and I give them to you, Lord, and I pray, make me a new person, wash me clean, help me to live for you all the days I have left. This is the beginning of something brand new. So today, I lift up my heart. And I give it to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. All glory and praise and honor to God today. All glory and praise and honor be unto His name. Whew. Do we have lots of those books? Good. You got a lot? Good. She got them. Yeah. There she is, one of my favorite servants. Everybody say, Cheryl rocks. Cheryl rocks. Amen. Jack does too. They, they kind of come together.
Listen, we have a little booklet. It's called The Start of Something Wonderful. We'd love for everybody that raised their hand, if you're inclined to take one of these. It, it's, it's a little booklet. It's free um, from our old pastor from Lansing, and it has 26 steps that you can follow that I was talking about here today, that sanctifying thing. It just starts today. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. Say that. This is the beginning. This isn't the end. This isn't, oh, now I'm just going to go back and live the way I lived forever. Uh-uh. You're new. Do, do something with it. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, here's what I'm going to do. If I could, I know I've, one of the directors is, one of the directors, uh, I think that's you back there. And I'm sorry I don't know your names. I've heard many of them. Would you mind, can I, can I, I can give it to you, right? You're one of them, one of the directors. Would you just set that in your, just a reminder of who you are in Christ, okay? And then, I told you I was bringing it over, I meant it. You can share this with whoever, but that's just a reminder. Does anybody here like plants to grow flowers out of seeds? There you go. All right. We're all good now. I'm sorry I didn't give everybody something. Don't be mad. You still have Jesus, which is more important. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you here at the Hope. I cannot wait to see what God does with us this year. He's got something in store. Something that's so far beyond our imaginations. And as long as we remain faithful, we're going to see it come to pass. And Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. So be ready. Be ready. Father, thank you again for the strong word of God today. Thank you for your anointing, Lord. Of, and Holy Spirit, just continue to grow each one of us up. Take us from infant to eating meat, as, as the apostle talked about. Lord, help us to shine our light, to take it out into this dark world and tell people about what you did for us. We love you and we thank you for everything you've done for us. Now keep us safe in our coming and in our going. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming today.